Welcome to With You Every Step, the solo travel podcast that explores, explains, and hopefully inspires you to travel the world by yourself. I'm your host, Michelle Lee. You are listening to With You Every Step. I am your host, Michelle Lee, and today I am talking to Jason Keeper. Jason is a U.S. flight attendant. He's going to explain about the process of becoming a flight attendant and what he loves about it, and he gives us some really cool stories too. I hope you enjoy listening to this episode, and happy travels. Thanks, Jason, for joining me today. Now, we are going to talk about your job, so can you explain a little bit about what you do? Yeah, so I am a flight attendant here in the U.S. for a major West Coast airline, and I serve the lovely passengers, all of their needs on their flight, but... <laughs> that, 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 that takes me to a bad place when you're saying all of my needs. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to hear some of yeah. the stories you're going to have for me. <laughs> you have no idea. Everyone's different, though. Everyone has different needs. But I am mainly there for your safety and for the safety of all the passengers. I love the airline that I work for and the people I work with. And so I have fun doing it. But as you know, traveling is very stressful. Yeah, And so be. we just try to try to get people through it, is, is what we say. You know, it's not easy to travel. Mm. And so that's what we're there for. And so whereabouts does your airline fly to? What places? My route, since I've been flying for a few years now, we've hired so many people. I have what we call seniority. I'm flying mostly to Hawaii, which is really nice. Um, so I fly to Hawaii, and then I also fly to uh, Mexico, uh, Puerto La Varta, Cabo, and then as well, once in a while, I'll fly to Alaska. Those are my main hub uh, destinations that I fly to. Oh, great. We're going to get back to that a little bit later, but I want to go through the kind of the process of becoming a flight attendant and why did you do it in the first place? What drew you to it? And then the process involved to become one. Well, it's a really funny story. I used to be a teacher in Chicago and during the Great Recession, I lost my job just because of budget cuts. And so, you know, I was looking for a new job and it was going to be really hard. I'd probably have to move back with my parents I was really, really depressed about that. And I went out to a bar and I met, you know, a pilot and two flight attendants that were on a layover in Chicago drinking, with, you know, going out and having a good time. And so I met them and they told me all about it. And I said, well, that sounds a lot better than moving back with my parents and waiting, you know, until the recession ended to, be, to go back to teaching. And so I just got really lucky. I met somebody that, you know, kind of guided me through it and kind of gave me that push to do it and gave me some inside information that really helped during my interview process when I went and interviewed a few months after I applied. It was kind of random. I didn't think I'd, I'd want to do that, but it, it just kind of came at the right moment to do it. Had you flown much before that? No, I've only, I grew up in a big family. So we flew like maybe once and it was because of somebody, you know, passing away and we had to, we had to fly so no, I, I'd never really flown. I maybe once or twice before. So I was really scared. I was, I was kind of, I wasn't the best flyer. I wasn't like a, I was somebody that would hold on to the person next to you kind of flyer if, if there was turbulence. That was initially a little scary, mm. having to overcome that, obviously, the job. So you, so you applied for the position and then what happens? What's the process? I got a phone call and now what we they do is you do a video interview is the first step. And so the, you, you fill out an application. It's really easy to fill out. I think I had, you know, one or two references, basic, you know, typical application. And then they call you back and set up a, a phone video uh, interview, like a Skype or, you know, FaceTime. Mm -hmm. And you answer five or six questions. And then after that, you get a phone call back and they invite you to come to the real interview in the in-person interview, which would be the second step. And that is like, if you've ever seen like American Idol, yeah, where there's like, I mean, 100, 200 people in a room, it's, it's really intimidating and scary because you go in this huge room with 200 people and 
basically it's an all day event. So you get there at nine in the morning and you're there till nine at night if you make it through each round. And I can go into further, you know, details of, of each of those rounds if you'd like. Yeah, go for it. Anyone that may want to do this, this is really good to have this background knowledge of what you might be up for when you're going for the role. It's it's a tough market to get into because of so many people, you know, it's such an attractive job for, for a lot of reasons. And so there is a lot of people that go to interview. And so the first thing I would tell someone is after they have done, you know, the, the video interview, it's just dress like, you know, and to impress, obviously, like this is a, a job that everyone wants. So you want to look your best and that's, you know, a given with any job. And so when you go in right away, they're looking for people that are friendly and are genuine and because they can spot it out. They can spot it out if you're faking it when you're there from from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Oh, you know, you can't fake yeah, it. That's right. You can't <laughs> fake it that long. <laughs> no. <laughs> and that's why they do it. I mean, they're really smart. They've done their, their research and it's effective because when you're on a plane for you know, even for two hours working on a plane or an hour, you know, after a while, you even as a, a flight attendant, you're going to get tired and irritable and, you know, all the people in the crowd. And so they really put you into that position by having that interview that long to see how you are when you're tired, to see how you, you know, respond to questions and whatnot as, you know, your fatigue sets in. That's really interesting. I actually never realized that that's what they did. And it makes sense, especially from Australia. It's a 14-hour flight from Melbourne to LA. So that's 14 hours of them having to work. You're right. Yeah, I hadn't thought of it in that right. way. Right. Yeah, because, you know, you, you can everyone can be for the first hour or two hours or three hours, you know, fine or good, but they're really seeing how you are. And so it's more of a fatigue, you know, it's more of a cinema is to go in there and to really every minute push yourself if you really want the job to to be smiling for literally nine to nine, you know, however long it goes all day long. First step in that group interview is that they split it up. Usually, let's say there's, I don't know, 200 people. They'll split you up into groups of like maybe 50 or 45 or whatever into smaller groups. And they go around and they ask each person and, and you're in a circle. And they go around and ask each person to, to tell us something interesting about yourself. Okay, very vague, very, you know, just a just kind of a silly question. But you go around and you, and you answer it. And what they're looking for is not what your answer is. Not, they're not looking for somebody who, I don't know, can, you know, is a ballerina or, you know, can juggle or whatever. They're not looking for the most interesting uh, story aspect of yeah story. What they're looking for is while you're while other people are are uh, answering their question, they want to see if you are paying attention to the other people. And so most people are nervous and they're thinking, what am I going to say? You know, what's going to be? What am I going to say? I'm so nervous. You know, what should I what, what should I say? What should I say? So you're not really you're not really thinking about or listening to everyone else in the circle, right? I mean, you're nervous. Yeah, that's and so right. And you're in your for... own head and you're trying to think about your own story. That's really good point. And I think a lot of companies now are doing this process. I've actually been to a few auditions for things where they are auditioning a lot of people and they kind of do a similar process to see how people interact with each other. And you're right. It's not about what your story is. It's about how you interact. Right. I mean, I, I remember distinctly in my, uh, my first uh, round, there was former flight attendants that had been, you know, for, for other airlines. And they were so, like, cocky and very much like, you know, what was interesting about you. But then also maybe a second question will be, you know, what have you done that has prepared you for this, for this job? And, uh, you know, the flight attendant that works for the other airline will be really cocky and confident because they work for an airline, but they're not looking for somebody that they want to see if they're paying attention. So we had, I remember the first round, all the people that said they were flight attendants, they were very, very cocky about it and confident ended up not making it through because they weren't paying attention to everyone else and they weren't friendly and smiling the whole time. And that's the hugest thing is smiling the whole time. It, it, it is going to hurt by the end of the interview 
but literally nonstop. Your, your jaw hurts because you have to just literally smile nonstop. So after that round, they'll, they'll cut, you know, people. So, okay. so um, then you might get the whole thank you, but no thank you. And then you have to leave and other people are still staying behind. Yeah. Like the American Idol thing, like, all right, if your name is on this board, you know, you, you can stay and everyone else Ooh. goes. And so it's, it trickles down to then 100 people. And now it's lunchtime. What they're also looking for is during your breaks, you know, bathroom breaks, water breaks. If you're smiling, if you're talking to the other people interviewing, if you're interacting with them, if you're when it's not your turn or you're you're on a break, they're they're kind of watching. It's kind of like you know who, who's undercover watching us, but they're really they're looking the whole time how you're acting in between mm. the different stages of the interview. So yeah, it goes on and then it gets down twenty, you know, fifteen. And they took only I think I think fourteen people out of the hundred and fifty I think that were interviewing of mine. Wow. Yeah. So it was kind of you know it was really intimidating. I went in. Really not. I mean, I really wanted to be a flight attendant. I, it wasn't like a dream of mine. But as I went through the interview process, wanted it more and more. But I just, you know, I went through it and I lucked out. And obviously, they do like a one-on-one. -on -one then after like the third round, you do a one-on-one -on -one interview with the HR. You know, just to just to see if you're you have all the requirements yeah. and all of that stuff. Um, so yeah. Okay, and then the training process to get you flight ready. Yeah, th that depends on each airline, but mine was five weeks, and they do give you, they do put you in a hotel, and they pay for the hotel. They also give you a stipend, you know, to spend on groceries. For me, it was mostly wine. <laughs> of <laughs> um, course it was. <laughs> <laughs> we all drink a lot of wine. <laughs> well, um, to be able to smile <laughs> for so long, you need a little bit of help. <laughs> yeah, but wine helped afterwards for sure. <laughs> So yeah, it was it was awesome. It was it was more it was harder. I went to uh, university, went to college for, for to become a teacher, and I would say the flight attendant training was harder than you know a college university degree. Yeah, I would imagine it would be. I would think it would be really tough. It is a lot of information. It's a lot of the information. I guess wasn't even the hardest part. It was just. It was like a, a continuation of what I just talked about with the interview about smiling. Because at any time, they can ask you to leave. I mean, it was so funny. And not funny, hor terrifying, but it's funny now to think about it. Because they would, in the morning, we'd come into to class to train. And we would see somebody's name tag missing. And it was because they let them go. Oh. So you're basically, for five, you know, five weeks, you're they're watching it oh so you still don't have the job no no they can fire you or dismiss you at any time and so oh, it's like a scary. continuation oh gosh yeah can imagine but, the anxiety I mean, around that <laughs> oh. exactly if you are positive and if you're happy and you're you really want it you're gonna do it you're gonna you're gonna be fine but you have to keep it up it's not you can't take a break. You can't take a nap. You can't. You have to keep going every day. And it's usually like nine hour, eight or nine hour days. Wow. The material is easy to learn because they, they train you very well. Not, it doesn't take a rocket science like the, the safety requirements. It's very easy to learn. It's just mostly just still being peppy and smiling while you're doing it for five weeks. <laughs> In the case of an emergency, make sure you're smiling. Yeah. <laughs> 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 exactly. everybody we're yeah. going down but it's okay right? just smile Gonna your way through right. it <laughs> we'll smile through this crash <laughs> oh that's worst case scenario oh my gosh yeah, so I'm, I'm yeah. assuming though that you have to go through all worst case scenarios that would be a big part of training right right and then usually it's again it's not funny but it's interesting the first day they they show you plane crashes they show you what oh. the job yeah, what you're getting into, right? And so they do that the first day, like, and they're really, you know, they, at least my airline was very nice about it. This might not be a fit for everybody. That's right. And I guess that's one way because some people might decide that this is too much and this is not, I'm not comfortable and they walk away. Right. And a lot of people uh, walk away as well because they miss their families. They realize during the training, because you're away from your families, you're removed from pretty much everyone for five weeks that maybe this is not going to work out because you're going to be gone a lot. And so a lot of people realize that it's not, you know, quite the fit for them. Mm -hmm. 
also, I mean, we did during the training, I mean, we did fun things like we have to go into a pool. There's 50 of us training. All of us had to jump into a pool for four hours with our life jackets and, and it really worked together. And like, it was, it was a very bonding experience. By the end of it, we, you know, I felt like I had, you know, 45 new best friends because we had done so many of the, the drills and everything together. Okay. So then, then you have the job and you are now flying around the U.S. and other places. And how did you transition into that? Did you find it easy or at first were you really struggling with all the different types of hours? It was, I think it was so, it was such an adrenaline rush. When you start off in the airlines, you don't know where you're going to, you're on reserve, you're on, you're on call. And so when somebody calls in sick, they call the new flight attendants to, to cover for them. And it's usually, they give you a two hour call out. You're on call from midnight till 2 p.m. So you get a call at 1.32 in the morning and they say, hey, you know, you're going to be flying check-ins at 4.30 a.m. You're going to be flying to Hawaii. So, or you're going to be flying to Alaska or wherever. And so you, it's, it's suspenseful. It's exciting. You, you're excited to see what you're going to get. And you obviously want the better trips, the longer layovers. And so it's, it's kind of an adrenaline rush, you know, sitting there waiting for that call and then being excited because you're going to a different place that you haven't been to. So the first couple of months, you're just, you're so excited that you can't even, I guess, be tired or the adrenaline really just takes over, which is good because it's kind of, it is very tiring and stressful, but you do get a lot of time to rest. You know, once you get to most of the time, um, you get, you know, substantial long layover where you can after a long flight. But yeah, you learn kind of as the job goes. It's not one of those jobs where they teach you everything. I mean, you're every flight, you're you're going to make a bunch of mistakes that first year and to, you just learn it. I mean, during training, you're only on a plane once a week, so maybe four or five flights um, during that, that initial training period. Mm-hmm. And so once you jump into it, it's it's a lot of learning as you go. And the other flight attendants know that because all the other flight attendants did it before, you That's know, right. so everyone's like a team. Them. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, I mean, it's, you have a lot of support and, you know, 90% of the flight attendants I flew with were amazing, but most of flight attendants are pretty similar, you know, so it's not like you get a lot of bad ones that, you know, so they, they've been there. So yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun and you make a lot of mistakes. I have a really good story about my biggest mistake. If you'd like me to share. Yes, please. Okay, because this is pretty, it's actually like a legendary story. They use it in the training department. <laughs> so your, your story is now being put through to train others. Okay, I'm excited yes. for this story. <laughs> I think your listeners will, will definitely like this story. <laughs> <laughs> so the first week on the job, me and my fellow friend who trained with me, we were really lucky and we both had called out on the same flight. We're super excited. We're brand new. And the other flight attendant that was working the flight, she had been there for 30 years. So super sweet lady was so excited to work with new, new hires. And so we get on the plane and she tells us that there's a guy with one arm, a one armed man. And anyone with one arm or one leg, anyone with any kind of handicap, as a professional, we have to, as a safety professional, we have to give them a, a safety briefing, okay? And that's a special briefing. And it's, it's really hard to do because most people I know that, you know, have one arm or no legs are very capable of getting off of a plane in an emer- emergency, probably more than most people. Mm-hmm. And, but we have to do it for legal reasons. We have to give them the briefing. And so it's kind of embarrassing for that person but they train us, obviously, to, to be sensitive and quietly do it, not make a scene. So anyways, I had to go do the briefing. And it's, it's, very, it's very rarely that we have to do this. And so it's kind of like very uh, a rare occurrence of this happening. And so I went up to the person, the one-armed person, and I didn't want to be rude. So I didn't look at, obviously look at the person's one arm or you know, make reference. I just looked at the gentleman and you know, very professionally said the briefing, it goes like this. It goes, you know, sir, in an emergency, please remain seated. When everyone else gets off the plane, I will come back and assist you off the plane. 
Okay, and so that's just rude to tell anybody. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, you're going to be the last person. <laughs> yeah, right, there's a fire and, you know, or whatever the emergency is, I'm going to come back and get you. Like, yeah, right, like, no one's going to to listen. But, you know, it's so silly. And so I'm beat red. I'm, I'm embarrassed that I have to say this. And the guy is looking at me like anybody, like I'm crazy. And I'm stumbling my words about the briefing because I'm new and, you know, et cetera. And so I'm finally done. I'm sweaty. And I go to the back. And we're like, oh, my gosh, you did it. Like, good, good. But, like, how embarrassing. So then we go to the front of the airplane to tell after we boarded all the other passengers. And we tell the, the flight attendant, the head flight attendant, who had you know, told me about this gentleman. And we, we go, you know, we did the briefing, you know, for 25A for the, the gentleman with one arm. You know, the flight attendant goes, what are you talking about? I go, we did the briefing for the disabled one-armed man. And she goes, no, 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 I meant he's one-armed man, like armed, one-armed like a weapon, one-armed man. <laughs> he's an air, he's an air marshal. <laughs> so I gave a disability briefing to a guy with, you know, a gun that's going to save our lives, the air marshal on board. And oh my gosh. I was so embarrassed. It was like the worst moment of my life. And he didn't say anything to you? No, because he, you know, we're not supposed to talk to them. We're not allowed to talk to the air marshals. We know where they're sitting because, you know, we need to know the person that has the, you know, the weapon that, that will help us if, if there's an emergency. So they're supposed to be undercover. And here I'm blowing it. I'm blow, I blew his cover by talking to him. And I'm giving him a disability briefing. I'm, oh, my God. And telling was... him he's the last person to get off the plane. Yes. Right. Like, he's going to be the first person to, you know, to save the day if there's an emergency. And I'm, like, telling him to remain seated. Oh, it was. And then it was the worst thing was this is before the demo. So then I had to do the safety demo in front of him. <laughs> it was bad. It was so bad. And the, the, the flight attendant, you know, the, the head flight attendant who'd been there for 30 years was laughing while she was speaking over the intercom doing, you know, the, the safety demo because she was still laughing because so hard from it. Oh, it was so bad. But luckily they didn't fire me. <laughs> <laughs> and so now they do that in training. So now what is it in training they get taught? It's, it's training. It's communication 101. It's like when you communicate with your fellow flight attendant, make sure you're clear with your instructions, <laughs> um, you know, because you don't want that to happen. So that was definitely a learning experience. But you never, you know, you, you don't you don't learn until you, you know, you do it. So that's, that's right. part of the gig. Oh, one armed man and he's actually just got a gun in his belt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, it was it was a long flight to say the least. And it was only a two hour flight, but it felt like a you know twelve. Did you hour have flight. to then go and serve him with anything? <laughs> oh yeah, I, I did, but it was at this point I was at this point, I was just so happy that it was over, you know, almost over. <laughs> oh, that's funny. So how does it work when you take a flight somewhere? Do you automatically fly straight back or do you have layover time at that destination? So depending on your seniority, seniority is like everything in the flight attendant world. We like worship as a joke. You know, anyone that has the, the head of the, the seniority because they basically get to every month you choose your schedule. And if you've been with the company for, you know, 30 years, you usually get what you want. And then when you're new, you know, you get like the last, the worst trips. So you bid for them. And I like, you know, everyone has different preferences. A lot of my flight attendant friends have a dog or a baby at home. And so they like to do the, what we call a, a turn where you fly, you fly to Hawaii and then you fly right back because they want to be home with their, their family or their whatever obligations they have. And since I don't have any animals or kids, I like to do the, the long layovers where I fly uh, into Hawaii and I usually get about 26 hours. So I usually get in, we leave at like six in the morning. I get into Hawaii at like, you know, 11, 30 a.m., and then leave the following day around noon. Okay. So you get a whole day basically to enjoy. And I'm assuming that all your accommodation is covered. Do you get a food allowance as well? Yeah, the food allowance and everything is included in your paycheck. But yeah, I get they pick us up at the airport in a van. 
and the hotel is all paid for. Depending on what airline you have, you get special perks at the uh, hotel. Our airline is gives us, you know, like a food discount, but it, there's a few other airlines that give a really generous drink package deal with with their flight attendants not my airline i wish <laughs> that could also be quite dangerous too because i guess the chance of your staff getting so drunk that they can't then fly back right it's, it's made national headlines where a flight attendant or a pilot drank too much and we're not allowed to drink for my airline every airline is different and every country is different in the states at uh, my airline, it's 10 hours be- before departure time mm-hmm. that you have to stop drinking, which I drink a lot, but uh, you know, I can easily follow that 10 hour rule on a 26 hour layover. Oh yeah. You know, but some people can't that have, you know, that for whatever reason don't fall or they have a short layover and they have to be up the next morning, but you know, fall into that problem. So you have short layovers where you just can't drink or you can't go out late because you have to be up in seven hours. So it depends on your, your layover time. What's your favorite destination that you like to fly to? I love Juneau, Alaska. Ooh. It's absolutely I've gorgeous. never been to Alaska and my dad always wanted to go to Alaska. He never got there. Yeah, I kind of think it might be something I do when I'm older, but maybe not because I, I just saw something this morning, actually. I think you can see the northern lights from Alaska. Have you seen them? Oh, yeah, they're gorgeous. We also, whenever uh, the pilot, uh, captain, or first officer has to use the restroom, the flight attendant in the front has to go into the cockpit while the captain is using the restroom so that there's always two people in the cockpit. Mm-hmm. And it's beautiful from that view because you have, you know, obviously a bigger window and you can, you're basically in them. You're in the northern lights. It's every, it's a, it surrounds the plane. Oh, wow. So it's quite beautiful. Have you ever been able to take a photo of it? I have. Oh, can you send it to me and I might photos. put it on our I Instagram will. so everyone can yes, see it? of course. That sounds amazing. What a view from the plane. Yeah, it's very beautiful. And just the people in Alaska are very nice. There's not that many people that live in Alaska, so you kind of have to be nice. There's a lot of cousins and your dentist is on the airplane. Um, most of the time there's there's always somebody that they they know each other and so it's usually a very friendly friendly flight it's always really cold in alaska in the summer it's we're in Juneau, and most of the cities that we fly to it's like 70 degrees it's beautiful it's perfect okay and you're still looking out and there's snow everywhere you know on top of the mountains and thousands and millions of trees everywhere and obviously bears and all kinds of wild creatures but it's it's absolutely beautiful you also fly to Cuba? We do, Havana, Cuba, and Costa Rica. But no, Havana, Cuba is unreal. It was it's like going through, you know, back in time. Mm. Especially because you weren't allowed to go there for such a long time, right? Being Americans, it was, it was banned, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, totally. So it was really hard to get that flight because flight attendants, really, everyone wanted to go. And so when I went there, it's like going back in time and it feels like you're doing something bad. Because for so many years, you know, we weren't allowed to go there. So it's kind of, uh, a, you know, just an exotic feeling when you go there and everyone back at home is like, tell me about it. You know, what was it like? Yeah, it's it uh, one of the perks of the job for sure. So what are the other perks of the job? So you get discounted flights when you want to go on other trips? Yeah, I just got back. Me and my partner just got back from Europe and we, we flew from San Francisco to Berlin for two hundred dollars, uh, for hundred bucks each, just the taxes. Round Return. trip. <gasps> oh, yeah, that is delicious. <laughs> yeah, that is the number one perk of the job, for sure. Wow, I can't even believe that a hundred US each return. Right, and then domestically, we don't even pay the taxes; it's free. Oh, so you can go anywhere domestically. Right. And granted, it's standby. It's so it's, you know, if if there's seats open, but, you know, you do your research and you know what flights are going to have open seats. You get to see how many seats there are. So usually I would say 95 percent of the time we've gotten on. So would they be like the early bird flights that you would have to go to because not everyone would go on them? 
Um, yeah, early bird. A lot of people miss, you know, like especially a six, yeah, six early check-in. A lot of people will be late and won't won't get on it. Um, or just times of the year, like right now, is a really really easy time to fly in January or December. Um, January and February are really good times. But I mean, I use my flight benefits because you can go. I can use. I can go on other airlines, not just my airline. Oh, so it's not just for you. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So that way, we have a lot of flight attendants from other airlines, and vice versa. That that commute for work. Other airlines want to give us that benefit because it helps their flight attendants. It's like kind of like an industry. We all help each other out to get to work, and then obviously for pleasure. So it's it's wonderful. We have a partnership with I think sixteen or eighteen global airlines. Wow, that's amazing! But you haven't been to Australia yet, have you? No, that's definitely on my bucket list. I really, really want to go. I think I need to see you for yes, one. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. You do need to come and visit me and come and see Australia. You love it here. Ah,、uh, I would love to. That is definitely on our list for sure. Hopefully soon. And we have really good wine. Hey, I'm sold. <laughs> <laughs> so, can you tell me some really good stories that you have from things that have happened on your flights? Because I know you've got plenty. Yes. Oh, so where to start? Well, so I've had a, a couple of celebrities on on the plane, which are always funny stories because they're just like everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> And I had I don't know if you remember if or if you know who Mario Lopez is. Uh huh. Yep. Uh, so Mario Lopez was on the flight, and he's terrified of flying. And so <laughs> I had, you know, I was nervous to have him on the plane. And I like, I'm very professional. I've always tried to be as, you know, treat them very nice and and not bother them. But he kept bothering me because he was he was scared of flying. <laughs> and so he kept coming back and talking to me about the plane and about how much longer we had. And it was really funny to have. You know, a celebrity like look at me for for advice or for you know to make him feel better. So a lot of people, you know, that's one thing I've noticed. You know,、uh, fear of flying does not discriminate against anybody, really, any age or size or whatever gender. And so you have you know grown <laughs> grown old men that you would never imagine, you know, being scared that will come up to you and and ask for comfort and. A lot of people look for the flight attendant to 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 give them that comfort, and so I think that's one of the you know the good things that we do to help people. Do you find that more men struggle with that than women? I think it's more noticeable with some of the men that I've you know that I have experienced. I would say, yeah, I would say it was more, and I you know I don't know why, and I obviously don't. Do the research on no, it. No, I've I've just personally noticed that when I've been on a flight. The ones that I can see that look like they're freaking out far more is always the men more than the women, and I don't know <laughs> if women are just better at hiding it than the men are. I'm not sure, but right, <laughs> it could be that. But I've noticed that too, and I just think I find it so interesting that it always looks like, and like you can see them like grabbing, grabbing the the side yeah, of their the chair,、armrest. yeah, the armrests.、Yeah. I can see them grabbing their armrests and like holding on for、right. life. <laughs> Yes, that no, that is true. I I would love to you know be part of a study or research on that because that's I think I think you're right for sure. I've also had you know not to not to bring down the mood, but unfortunately, obviously, you know when people fly, a lot of people do fly because of you know a loved one has passed away or they're going to get you know cancer treatment, and so they have to fly. That that was something I didn't really I I don't know when going into the job I didn't think would be something that I would encounter a lot but it happens a lot more you know everyone's going to flying for different reasons and and you don't realize if somebody's rude to you at the airport、uh, you know a person in line or in security or whatever you know you have to really think about this that that person might be going to bury their 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 son or their grandma or or whatever or they're they're going because they're sick. I think that's one thing that is hard about the job, and something I think that I know that the flight attendants I work with are just amazing about comforting people in those situations,、mm. um, which is challenging. So people actually open up and tell you about their situation. They do because it's 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 such a weird you know it's one thing to be going through shock that 
something happened to you. Uh, let's say, for example, I had a passenger, three of his relatives died in a, a car crash. Oh. And, you know, he, he told the person that when he bought the ticket over the phone or, or uh, I think at the front desk or whatever. And so our airline is really good at, obviously, we want to we wanna help those people out. And so they'll tell us that information sometimes, not all the time, but they'll give us that information. Our boss or our supervisor will email us or, or call us and say, hey, Jason, you'll have this passenger on board and you know they'll tell us the seat number. This is what's going on just to give you a heads up. But sometimes we don't know. You know sometimes they just come on and I had a guy, we, we, were, we had a delayed flight. We were sitting there and he was getting really mad and you know it was it was nothing i could do because it was a mechanical you know with the plane mm-hmm. and so he was being really rude to me and because i'm trained well and i i think i do a really good job as a flight attendant i'm proud of what i do i you know was very nice and and the reason why i was patient and nice to him even though he was being so mean to me because i knew i go there's probably something going on that is causing him to be you know a little bit more hostile not just you know normal hostile but a little increased and it was because his his dad just had a heart attack and he was trying to get home. Uh-huh. And so you just don't know who you're sitting next to, what they're going through, like just in life in general. But when you're on a plane, it, things come out like that. You know, people are a little bit more honest. And I don't know if it's because you're in such a small space or whatnot. But anyways, you experience a lot of that. That's, you know, you see that that's one of the kind of the, the sad parts of the job, but also uplifting because you really can you make a, a difference in somebody's life. Have you had anyone that's been so abusive because of things like delays or something like that, that you've had to actually escort off the plane? I have had, it's happened to me once and it was because of uh, somebody that drank too much. Yes. Which it was going to be my next thing. Were they drunk? Yeah. Yeah. Alcohol. And you know, I love my biggest thing when I'm not working and I'm a passenger, I love to have a few glasses of wine at the airport. It relaxes me, especially when I'm on the plane. You know, you have to keep it you know, to a, a minimum, especially for those long flights. People don't realize when you get up in the air, you have one drink. It's like having three or four drinks. You know, each time you have a, a liquor drink or even a glass of wine, it, because of the air, you get drunk faster. Mm-hmm. And so we just have to keep an eye on that. Uh, but, yeah, I had a passenger. He was so uh, – this passenger was so drunk and so mean. And we had to have police, you know, meet us at the gate. Uh, when we landed and it was scary because you know it was everyone around him was terrified like this guy's gonna you know you see on the news or something it's gonna go nuts yeah so yeah that's I've unfortunately on, I've been on one flight I actually can't remember where because I've been on so many but I was on this flight and there was a group of three men maybe about 22 23 years old and they were really drunk and they we ended up being delayed because they wanted to kick them off the flight. And so they eventually, I can't remember, I don't think they actually did kick them off the flight. I think they just had to get someone to come in and talk to them. And they were like, no, 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 we'll we'll be good, we'll be good. And I actually think they were, but they were trying to kick them off, but they didn't actually do it, which is what I was a bit shocked with in the end that they kept left them on the flight. But they were fine. Right. But I think that was more maybe precautionary. Yeah, just to give them a warning. Yeah, you know, usually, uh, the, at least in my airline, the captain of every flight is he's the boss or she's the boss. That person, um, you know, gets to make the final decision. But if we tell them, you know, 99% of the time, if I w- would tell a captain, hey, this person, they will, uh, whatever I think, they'll they'll go with. They'll back you up, which is really cool for us to have that kind of relationship, you know, where they're not questioning us. The, the captain will usually be like whatever you guys think you know you're you're back there I'm not Mm. so that's nice one story I had a a Cabo flight I just remembered it was a Mexico flight to back to the states and you know Cabo is known to be a fun party town and this couple came on the plane and they had broken up on their vacation (laughs) (laughs) and so they wanted you know they didn't want to sit next to each other and it was a full flight. Every every seat was taken. It was so funny because they were fighting throughout the whole flight. We finally begged somebody to switch seats with them. But I'll just remember that because they were they were a young couple. They were just been together, I'm sure, just uh, a short while. But it was funny to watch. It's like a reality show. But not funny, but funny, you know. Yeah. How many people have asked you to try and join the Mile High Club with them? Has that happened? <laughs> 
I uh, I have not been asked, but oh I have, no, <laughs> I have witnessed for sure. So so okay. Now I need to ask a little bit more about this because yes. this always baffles me. So do you ever see the people actually going in there and like everyone's like, yeah, we know what's happening? Or do you get like complaints that that door's been shut for a long time? Like, how do you know? <laughs> how does a flight attendant deal with this issue? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so part of our job is like to be aware of everything. It's weird. It's like you just, as you, even when you're on the cart, you're always like kind of just checking in and. We're supposed to really check the bathrooms a lot too, just for uh, for other reasons. For you know, mostly for like if someone's smoking or something, because that's like a, a big problem. It used to be a problem, not as much anymore. But and so yeah, you're just kind of aware. You kind of you just notice what the heck they've been in there for a while. But legally, you are allowed to go into a bathroom with somebody else. Um, and so, so for your listeners that <laughs> um, are interested in that legality of it all you are allowed to go in with you know the bathroom with somebody and so because you know think about if you have to put a bandage on your back or if you have a I don't know a medical you know thing that you need to take care of and so really we're not supposed to add you know it it, we have to be careful not to intrude but I mean if they're both you know (laughs) if you can tell you can tell and so it's only happened to me once and it was it was a young couple that was very embarrassed and 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 scared afterwards that went right back to their seats and we just left it, you know, at that as an awkward. So you had to knock on the door and say, excuse me, how long are you going to be? Yeah, like, come on, guys. Like, we've all been, <laughs> we've all done stupid things, but really, it's a bad, it's, it's such a disgusting, the bathrooms are so gross as a flight attendant. It's, it's like so the last gross. place, the last place on earth. I would want to do anything. Oh, don't you know, touch it's anything. Like, uh, I get. I do get the. Oh, this is me being so OCD, but I get the toilet paper to touch anything in there because it grosses me out. So the thought of doing something that is very personal in a place like right. that is so disgusting to me. But I know <laughs> I hear it happens a lot. So that's why I just wanted to see how many times you've actually kind of checked it, like caught it. It's so funny. Yeah. Do you think it happens uh, a lot funny, still? Yes. I don't. I don't think it's as much of a problem. You know, Hollywood really likes to. You know, obviously it's a funny and yeah. taboo kind of thing. But I honestly, in, in my seven years, I've only seen it once, really. Okay. That I've no. Or people are just really good at hiding it, or you know. Yeah, they just put a bandage on their back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. If you if you want to, you know, carry around band aids with you, that's a good loophole. <laughs> Not that I. do. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't hear it from me, though. No. Uh, it's too funny. <laughs> Ugh, but, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so I do want to talk a little bit about gender and how that's changed. Because I know years ago, flight attendants were predominantly female. Right. And now there's a lot of males that are flight attendants. And then the job of the pilot was dominantly male. Is there more women now? And is it crossing over with both? Yeah, it's awesome. I'm really, uh, you know, I, I think it's great. We have had so many more uh, women pilots. It's it's so cool because I've noticed, especially in the last five years, now we're it used to be like one out of you know every twenty flights there would be a woman pilot, and now I would say it's like one out of ten. Oh, that's good. It's getting better because I don't actually think yeah. I've ever been on a flight and had the voiceover coming from the cockpit being a female yeah and when it happens it's so great because people you know look up and they're kind of like you know because they're not used to it and I see some of these little girls on on planes and you could just see how like their eyes just kind of lit up yeah and it it is so cool to watch these I think little I girls would clap I'd be like yes that. there's a woman yeah. in charge <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Seriously, I I feel safer, and I like some of the the pilot, uh, the men, and not all of them. A lot of them are great guys, but a lot of them are very uh, a personality. They're not they're they're quite different usually than the flight attendants, where we're really outgoing, and so they're kind of quiet. Most of them, not all of them, but most of the the gentlemen that are pilots, and so the women pilots, I just naturally I'm just more comfortable, I guess, talking with women, especially about you know fun things. And so I love it because then I can, you know, chit chat with 
female, uh, they're just more, you know, easier to talk to. And so I, I enjoy working with them. Um, not all of them, but 99% of them. Well, own. that's like anything. But I also yeah. find the best conversations I've had with a flight attendant on a flight has been a male. Oh. Yeah, I haven't found many of the women flight attendants really want to talk that much, where I found I've actually had like full conversations with the male flight attendants. Right, right. And that's a whole like different dynamic too, I think, because there, there's more uh, obviously than there there's ever been. But yeah, I've I've noticed, you know, I've... I've had so many, a variety of different passengers that, that I've talked to, but um, for sure, there's definitely more men now too that are flight attendants. Yeah, it's great. I love it. And this is how it should be. Everything should be as equal as we can get it. Yeah. So out of all the destinations you've flown to, and I'm not talking about just work-wise, what would be your favorite destination you've been to, even just vacation? Oh, just vacation. I would say I love Amsterdam. I love the culture there. I love, and I'm, I'm a big, I ride, ride my bike everywhere. And so I think that's why I fell in love with Amsterdam. They just, it's like, I don't know if you've been there, but. I have not. And so many of my guests say Amsterdam is up there for their top. And I think I need to change this and go there. For some reason, I've never been drawn there. I've been to Europe many times, but I've just never been to Amsterdam. So maybe my next trip coming up, I might have to do that. Yes, and, and rent a bike because you'll or get out of the way because it is uh, <laughs> <laughs> it is such a cool uh, you know. But it has everything: all the museums and the food and the people are so kind, and everyone's beautiful there. Is that where the Anne Frank Museum is? It is. Did I you am go one there? of the few persons that could say I have been to it three different times. Wow, I've heard it's really <laughs> which, which, awesome. It's amazing. It's, I mean, it's so like you're you're walking through, and it's like one of those museums where people just get really quiet because it's so like it's so moving. Mm. You know, it's not like you you feel like you're in the presence of something really. It is. It's really special and and unique. And so I had three different friends I went to Amsterdam with. So each time I went because it was you know, but it it's sad. It's really tragic, but it's mm. also really beautiful that they they've made that an exhibit. You know, to to, to remember her and and the story of so many of people. Yeah, and I think that's what is good about museums now that we are opening up into all kinds of different types of museums. So you can see mm -hmm. what things were like and how people did live and what they went through, and I think it's really important. Yeah, for sure. We actually, for my listeners, Jason and I actually met in Dominican Republic for a friend's wedding five years ago now, <laughs> and I have been seeing on social media, his antics of where he is and where he's going, and he's always moving. So I've been wanting to get him on the show for a while, but he's been super busy. So I'm so glad that I was able to lock you down and get you on. It's been so good talking to you and hearing your stories. Oh, no, I just, I love you and I miss you. And I'm so glad we got to do this. And to any of your listeners, if you have any other questions about the process, it's, it's, it's intimidating, but it is so worth it. This job has changed my life. It's opened me up to so many great things. And one thing is that I met my partner. It was a passenger, uh, a flight to Hawaii. And really? So is that how you met? The love of my life. And I gave him, <laughs> embarrassing as it is, I gave him, I have business cards that I gave him that I made on my own. <laughs> I was going to say, how did you of... how did you transfer it over from being a work a work colleague like right. a work thing? Because this is what I struggle with. If I ever get someone at work that comes in that's super hot, and then I think I can't. I'm in a professional place right now. How do I cross over to be like, hey, I'm single. Right. Are you single? What's happening? Right. What's up? <laughs> how did you do I it? Just... You gave him a business it... card. It was, I tried to, you know, it was, I used the professional route by saying, if you ever wanted to network, <laughs> here's my card. And so it went from there and, you know, the rest is history. And now I moved to San Francisco. So I am in San Francisco living with my partner all because I went out to a bar seven years ago to become a flight, you know, uh, you know, because I met that flight crew on the layover and here I am. Um, wow. My whole life is it's changed. So I love it. It's it's the most exciting, fun job. You work with some of the most interesting people and you meet the most, you know, interesting people as well as passengers. So it's it's wonderful. How much leave do you get? You get a certain amount of seniority. You you can get, you know, two weeks, three weeks off a month if you'd like because you can trade your trip 
It's very flexible. Once you've earned, you know, you've put in a few years, you can trade trips and, you know, get rid of some of your work if somebody new wants to pick up extra work. So it's quite, quite wonderful if you, if you want to take time off. That's good because I know within the U.S., the leave in the U.S. is really tight. So most people don't right. travel very much for that reason because they don't get very much time. Unlike us Aussies, they get four weeks a year, which is why you'll see Aussies right. everywhere. <laughs> right. And they are, by the way, the best passengers. I love every, anyone from Australia flying is usually happy and they're they're nice to Americans, which... Not, you know, everyone is, and I don't blame, I don't, I don't blame the, you know, those people that are a little uh, indifferent with us, but Australians are the nicest to us, which we always appreciate. And we do, I do notice that, you know, you guys travel quite a bit compared to us because we, most people only get, you know, a week or two weeks off and usually they, they need it for like a wedding, you know, or family time or whatever. So yeah, it's it's one of the few jobs. I, my sisters are all teachers, and granted, they get some time off in the summer. They are constantly jealous on my Facebook, so I had to be careful not to show them I'm having too much fun. <laughs> it sounds like that person that walked into that bar seven years ago was meant to be, and this is the path you're meant to be on, and it sounds like it has worked in your favor and made you meet the man of your dreams, which is just beautiful. So I am so happy that you're happy and your job sounds interesting. And I hope my listeners have got something out of this episode. And maybe if this is the career path for you, go for it. Depends on, you know, where you are and what airlines there are in your countries, but just do it. And it sounds like if it's meant to be, it's going to be. That's right. Cheers. And thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to With You Every Step, hosted by Michelle Lee. We do hope you enjoyed listening. And if you did, make sure you tell everybody. If you didn't, nobody likes a Debbie Downer. Please subscribe to get up to date with our latest releases and give us a thumbs up on our social media at With You Every Step. We love to hear from you. If you have any questions or inquiries, head to the Contact Us page at our website, michellelee.com. That's also where you'll find all our blogs mentioned in the podcast. We love to hear from you and if we have inspired you to travel. Thanks for listening. Love life and adventure on.